welcome to another episode of the Ask Geek Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian, and after day two of round one of the playoffs, sheesh, it's crazy out here. Thank you for tuning in and making this the first show you tune into in the AM. Getting this out to you early on a Monday morning. Hope y'all week start off right. Hope y'all get. Uh, hope it goes through smoothly, goes through fast, goes through slowly. However you want it to go through, I hope it goes through. Me personally, you know, I like to speed through the week, get to the weekend, so I can chill and do what I want. But anyways, like I said, day two of round one, it was lit. It was crazy. It was. It was. It was crazy. I even told you yesterday. I said, hey, my my opinion might be completely different the next day because you got to see what people bring. People bring um. That Miami game, their defense was the real deal. It didn't change my opinion on them winning it, like being a championship caliber team, because I still don't think they have the number. Like I said, hey, we'll talk about that in a later series as well. I think this is a star-driven league, and I don't think you're going to see a team like the Detroit Pistons style where they rely on their defense and team play to get them a win. If you don't have a top 10, top 15 any type player on your team, it's going to be, it's very, very difficult to win a championship. And if you don't have, like, the best player or top three player in the series or top two player in the series, it's kind of hard, at least scoring-wise, like, it's kind of hard to have your offense just lead into it and just dominate that way. Miami looks phenomenal. Jimmy Butler had 21. Uh, Duncan Robinson came off the bench and had 27. And I know that's what, if you watch the post game. Uh, that's what the Heat were talking about. Like Butler was talking about too. Like, hey, that's what's scary about us. You don't know who's gonna beat you on a night to night basis. And it's like, yes, you want role players like that. Yeah, yeah. The, having Duncan Robinson, having Tyler Hero, because Tyler Hero played poorly this game, and only had six points. But having Tyler Hero, having Duncan Robinson, having Kyle Lowry or Bam, and you know, knowing that at any moment any of those guys could give you a big game. That's, that is huge. That is huge to have as a team. But when the money's on the line and the big lights come on, can you step up as a star is what we need to see. And Jimmy Butler looked amazing this game because last year we know that the Heat dropped the ball. He looked putrid, but he looked good this game. He looked there, there. He he had a lot of moments where he was guarding Trey Young, and I know a lot of people usually harp on that and like they hate on him for not guarding the best. Like you're a lockdown defender. Not guarding the best player. He was playing he was playing some good defense on Trey and the Heat's defense. They were rotating. They were doing everything. And the thing I liked about this, and I was tweeting about it during the game, was their extra passes had extra passes. They were playing such a beautiful team basketball. Like it's like, okay, uh somebody drives, they make the pass to the corner or the wing, and the wing passes it to the corner. You're like, hey, no, the corner has a key. You already made the extra pass. The corner has a wide open shot, and the corner passes to somebody else, like skip passes it, and to the better shooter because it's like, oh, yeah, I can hit this shot, but I have somebody like Duncan Robinson who's a much better shooter across from me who's even more open than me. Like, like you know, the, their extra passes had extra passes to the point where it was like, golly, these guys are moving as a unit. They are moving as one team. And it looks really good. Uh, I, I liked what I saw round um, in game one from this Miami Heat team. Um, 
if this is how this, if they're going to play lockdown defense like this in the series, you're going to get called like this, then Miami might gentlemen sweep the Hawks and go ahead and get a good, nice little break. This actually looked like a legit 1-8 series, and I wasn't expecting it to look like a legit 1-8 series. Trey Young struggled. He was in solitary confinement. He was in he was in prison. Yes, I know a lot of the clips are trending right now and going around on Twitter. Yes, Miami got away with a couple dirty plays, dirty fouls, and they're like, if this was anybody else, they would have called it. These plays would have got ejected, and that's why I said the game's called like this. Yes, they got away with a couple dirty ones, but even with those little little fouls here and there, Trey Young just struggled. They sent bodies and bodies and bodies at Trey Young. There was nothing much he could do. He had eight, six, and four on one of 12 shooting. The only layup he had was that one where he got the steal and he had a tough layup going coast to coast. Outside of that, he had no other field goals made. It was 0 for 7 from the 3. All the rest of his points came from the free throw line. He looked he looked putrid. He had six turnovers. So he had more turnovers than assists. He had more turnovers than field goal attempts. He, like, I mean, made field goals. He had more turnovers than everything except for total points. And the only reason he got those points was because of free throws. So outside of that, like, Trey Young was was really struggling. Um, Hunter, he didn't have – he played solid, but he didn't give you one of those games that he gave you in a playing. So he didn't step up to that degree. And in the game like this where Trey Young is struggling and they are focusing on Trey Young and they're basically saying, hey, Trey Young's locked up for the rest of the game. The rest of y'all are going to have, he's not creating a shot for y'all. He's not He's not scoring for y'all. The rest of y'all are going to have to be shot creators by yourself and figure this thing out because we have him locked up. Y'all are going to have to figure it out. And the Hawks didn't step up. Um, I blame a little bit of that on coaching because once you saw that they had Trey Young like that, we should have went somewhere else. We should have tried something else. You should have changed the scheme up completely. And you should have been prepared for that in the first place. And be like, hey, if they do lock up Trey, and I know you never want to bet against your player. Anytime they're like, okay, yes, you know they're going to come at you, and then you know they're going to try to lock you up. But you're like, but I'm betting on my guy. You're supposed to be like that. You're supposed to be like, yeah, I'm going to bet on my guy. I'm with my guy and everything. But you should also have a backup plan. And the Hawks didn't have a backup plan um, last night against against this Miami defense. They 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 just basically were like, hey, Without Trey Young, we have nothing. We don't have anybody else. Um, they were hoping Trey Young just jumped up in the second half. He didn't. He didn't. Bogdanovich didn't step up. He was 0 for 8 from the field, 0 for 4 from the um, three-point line. He couldn't give you much. John Collins coming back off that injury. He still played 20, uh, 21 minutes, but he only gave you 10 points, 4 rebounds. He didn't give you much at all. Um, there was just, there was just no, there wasn't a lot of help from anywhere else. Danilo Gallinari was the only other person. I mean, he had the shot attempts. He, he didn't exactly have the efficiency, but he went out there and just, he was shooting his shots. He had 17. He was the leading scorer for the Atlanta Hawks. But you had, when you just look at that, you're like, you didn't, they didn't, the heat just stomped them. The heat just stomped them early on and they just never took their, like, they never took their foot off the gas. It was just Early on, they sent the message, and then from there on, it was just a it was just a no go. It was it was just a no go. I was from watch. I was like, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. It's getting really spooky now. It's getting really spooky now. Like they were going to run here and there, but it was it was spooky. They missed Clint Capella definitely. They needed that rim protection. Miami was backdoor cutting. They were slashing at will. Onyeka Kongu can play some solid defense, but he's not there yet to where. He's defending the paint like Clint Capella is. 
Clint Capella is solely like he's definitely missed. Um, they also missed him on the boards because yes, I like Bam, but Bam's not banging with um what's called Clint Capella on the boards. He can't bang with Onyeka Okongu though. So if Clint Capella is there. Like it's a, it's a completely different game just from the defensive side and the rebounding side to get second chance opportunities. Um, it gives Trey Young a different lob there. We saw Trey Young early on try to throw a couple of those lobs to Ngeko and Congo, and he was like fumbling the pass, or he throw it up and he didn't necessarily get a clean catch, so he couldn't like finish it like he wanted. Missed a little couple of those little gimmies, and those are passes that Clint Capella can go get. That, that that's that's kind of the difference. You have a you have a lobster like Clint Capella who is elite at his lo- at job. And that's what people think. Oh, we can just put anybody there. All he does is catch lobs. But there's a it's still a talent. And you still have to have a knack for it. Cause not every pass is gonna be a clean just catch. Sometimes like there was like passes like Trey Young just throws up. Same thing with like John Collins. That's why John Collins was an elite lobster. You just throw some passes. You like just get it near the basket. We'll go get it. We'll go get it. Um, we'll figure out a way they put their arms, they catch it in any kind of way, and it still can finish the bucket to where Onyeka Okongo isn't necessarily there yet. He will, he can get there eventually, but he's not there yet. Um, jumping into Miami side, like I said, they 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 played phenomenal. Um, like it was just Eric Spoelstra just out coached him. Like I can't tell you how many backdoor cuts Jimmy Butler had. It it was it was ridiculous. Um. He had a nice lob as well, and a lot of their points just came off that fast break leading from their defense. Their defense was just suffocating, and there was just nothing Atlanta could do about it. Uh, jumping into the next game, though, and this is probably going this is probably the most exciting game of the night, probably the most exciting series of the entire first round, the most anticipated first round series, and it did not disappoint. Early on, it was sloppy. It was very, very sloppy, but it was a good kind of sloppy because uh the Celtics defense was locked in early on. The Celtics defense was clamping everybody. They had KD struggling. KD was basically in prison. Um everybody on that Brooklyn Nets team in that first quarter was just they couldn't create a shot. It was turnover after turnover after turnover, but they were it, it was a close game after the first quarter. Like Brooklyn was only down one after the first quarter and that was because Boston couldn't hit a shot. There were so many steals and so many gimme buckets that the Boston had where they just kept missing layups. I couldn't tell you how many times Daniel Tice missed layups. He finished one for six from the field, and he should have finished like five for six. But there were so many times where he just missed layups for no reason. He just caught – he would catch the ball in the paint, and it was usually off rebounds, like off rebounds. Somebody would lay it up because he's the bigger person. They started off Seth Curry on him. So when Drummond was outside the paint, they had Seth Curry. He would get the offensive board, and then he would literally try to go back up. He had four offensive boards. So, like, three of those four offensive boards he went back up with, I'm pretty sure. And he would just go back up. And what was upsetting me was he wasn't going back up like he had the intention to score. He was going back up like you are you have a little sibling going against you and you're playing with him uh, one-on-one. And you're just much bigger than him. So, you know, you don't really jump. You catch the ball with one hand after you miss, and you just go up. Then you miss it again. You try to go up with one hand again. That's what he was doing. I'm like, I know Steph Curry is smaller than you, but don't just catch the ball with one hand and then just try to tap it back up like you're just lazy because he missed it. There was so many layups missed. It was like he missed like three layups again. I'm like, catch the ball, go back up. 
Like literally, don't 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 sit here and play around with them. Like we we should have we should have ran away with the first quarter, but we had a bunch of plays like that. Al Horford played phenomenal, but he even had him some layups like that to where it was just like, come on now, just go back up. Like, what are you doing? Go back up. But outside of that, like like I said, the Celtics missed a ton of layups, a ton of layups, and their defense just made up for it. Their defense just made up for it throughout the whole game. Kyrie went crazy in that uh, second half, especially that fourth quarter. He was just doing whatever he wanted. He finished with 39 points on 60% shooting, 60% from the three as well. Kyrie's just an efficiency master. Um, 39, five and six with four steals on 12 or 20. Kevin Durant, like I said, he struggled. We basically had him in prison for the entire first half. The second half, he got he got loose with some shots, um, especially that fourth quarter. A lot of those, a lot of his shots though, they were kind of like they were tough. They were tough, tough mid range shots and some other tough shots. Like, but that he got the bounce on a lot of shots. And of course, Kevin Durant's not going to shoot this poorly on any other night for the rest of the series. But Kyrie is also not going to shoot this efficient for the rest of the series. But we play defense on Kevin Durant as good as defense you could be. Like, I know they say a lot of times great offense beats great defense, which it does. It does. Great offense beats great defense as much as I hate to say it because it's just that's just how it is. Look at Kyrie. Kyrie, there were so many times where look at that one play where he was stuck trapped in the corner. Jalen Brown's all in his face. And Kyrie just was like, he picked up his dribble. He was looking for somebody to pass. He like pivoted, pivoted, pivot, pivoted. And he was like, you know what? If I'm just going to shoot over Jalen Brown for this contested, horrible shot three. And it was nothing but net. There was so many bad shots that like what you would quote unquote say was a bad shot because it was good defense. And they just hit it because great offense beats great defense. And there was some times where Kyrie had like three bodies on him. And it was just a tough shot. And I feel like we talked about that a lot. Like, there were so many times we're like, dang, Kyrie had three people on him. KD had three people on him. And they just hit the shot because great offense wins out. But anyways, going back to KD, these shots are going to go back to falling for him. However, we just got to keep making it tough for him, making him, like, making him work for every shot. Because, yes, they're going to fall for him eventually, but they're not going to always fall for Kyrie. It's, it's just, they're not, this defense is going to be so suffocating to where, Yes, you're going to hit, but you're going to be on that night. You're going to be on that night. Um, it looked good because we, we, the only bench player really that really hurt us was Goran Jarger. In the first half, he, like, lit us up. He was, like, five for six. But in the second half, we played better defense on him. He, I think he finished, like, one for five in the second half. Um, Andre Drummond, I love when Andre Drummond's on the court because we kept taking advantage of him. Andre Drummond can't guard on the perimeter. Andre Drummond is not a good paint defender whatsoever. Andre Drummond is just there for rebounds. And so if we can limit him to just being there for rebounds, it worked. He got in foul trouble early, so they benched him. They took him out. And I was actually upset when he got in foul trouble. I, I was. I, I, was really, I was really upset if you would listen to me during the game because I was like, dang. I want. I wish he didn't get in foul trouble because I do want Andre Drummond on the court because Nick Claxton does a better job with the switchability. He can switch way better than Andre Drummond, and he can protect the paint. He obviously he's not as good a, a rebound as Andre Drummond, but everything else he's he he excels at against Andre Drummond. He just gets in foul trouble as well because he jumps out a lot of things, but. He's much better defensively, and he's much more versatile defensively, and it's just, I just didn't like, I was like, dang, 
Nick Claxton's coming on the game in the game, and he gave them 30 minutes. He had 13 and eight, three blocks. He did exactly what I thought he was going to do: play solid defense, have solid rotations, and just do what he was supposed to do. He was a plus 10. Warren Drummond was a minus uh, 13, which should tell you a lot right there. Like I said, Nick Claxton did his job. Um, Bruce Brown looked uh, he looked kind of spooky after talking all that talk. He, I mean. He finished with five points, one rebound, two assists, two steals. I told you those boards and everything, that paint wasn't going to be like that because he's not going against Kevin Love anymore. He's not going to be grabbing those boards over Kevin Love and Laurie Markin. It's a different it's a different team. He played 36 minutes and finished with stats like that. Yeah, he only went two for three. I think he got blocked on one. Yeah, he got blocked on a chase down by Jalen Brown, I believe it was. If I'm remembering correctly, I believe it was Jalen Brown went and got a chase down block on him. Um. However, he wasn't even trying to go to that paint though. They 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 were they were ducking that paint. They were they he he was avoiding the paint. And I'm like, oh, I thought y'all were going to Al Horford, but Al Horford did a really good job protecting the paint. Al Horford looked really really good. Twenty and fifteen with three uh, well three deterred shots. He didn't have the blocks, but he deterred three shots. You know now that they're starting to track other stuff other than just black blocks. He had three really, really deterred shots, which is a it's a weird stat to me. He was two for two from the three. Jalen Brown had twenty three. Um, he didn't shoot the best, but he still had a solid game defensively. Uh, Marcus Smart had twenty seven and six. That's my point guard. Had a beautiful pass. Kai had a beautiful pass earlier too. Kyrie's beautiful pass earlier. That was that was that was crazy. Um. And then you had, uh, of course, like Jason Tatum, 31-4-8, one steal, two blocks, not an 18 from the field. He played phenomenal. He played phenomenal. And that last play was crazy. One, to play elite defense at the end of the, at the, end of the game where you sent two bodies at Kai, made him trouble for him. He had a bailout pass at the last moment to KD to where y'all had one-on-one defense with KD. He tries to drive. Y'all cut off his drive, and he has to take a horrible um, three, like con- super contested three at the at the end of the um, shot clock. Secure the board, which is not um, – that, that's not appreciated enough. Secure the board because they could have easily got that offensive board and not defense meant nothing. So they cap they they capped off the great defensive possession by securing the board. Come up court, have amazing patience. Jalen Brown, I was nervous. I thought Jalen Brown was about to try to go up there and do that, do a reverse layup or try to dunk on two people when he was just going to the lane. And he passed out to Marcus Smart. And then Marcus Smart, uh, he had the shot at first. He had the shot, and I thought he was about to shoot. He pump faked took a dribble in, and he still had a mid-range shot or a floater, but he still showed paces with two seconds left. Jason Tatum, backdoor cuts, catches the ball, is already mid-spin while he's catching the ball and spins around Kyrie for the layup. It was just beautiful. It was just that, just like how I was talking about how Miami, all of them were all connected, and they were just playing amazing team basketball. That's what I saw from the Celtics right there elite amazing team basketball and i was like wow wow there's just no getting better this is just like the growth on this team is amazing from the defense to them trusting their teammates making the extra pass because the celtics at the beginning of this year not making those passes the celtics at last year aren't making those passes the celtics back 
when they made those two Eastern Conference finals aren't making these extra passes. They see the first open shot and they're like, okay, we just need a shot. I'm open. Let me shoot this shot. They're like, no, we can buy in and lock in and make an extra pass. We can get a better shot. And then you pass the next person. The next person like, dang, I have an open shot. But we can get a better shot. Up until wasting to no climb left. And they're like, okay, yes, we got that was the best shot. That was the best possible scenario. And that was just wonderful. I'm so glad Ime Udoko, Udoko has them um locked in. Ime has them locked in like crazy. Shout out to Ime, Coach Ime. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm very happy. I can't wait for game two. I was ready for game two right after that. I was like, nah, we need game two right now. I need game two today. But we're going to have to wait till Wednesday. And, hey, I'm with it. Wednesday's going to be lit. Wednesday's going to be extremely lit. I'm ready for it. Um, We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. talk about these last two games tonight um these two games are going to be much shorter than the first two like i don't see us going much into detail first we saw the bulls and the bucks this game was closer than it should have been is much much closer than it should have been um this series is going to be a gentleman's sweep at worst case scenario I know I saw some Bulls fans. Uh, they were they were they were feeling good about themselves after narrowly defeat, like narrowly losing to the Milwaukee Bucks. Especially the way they lost, because they thought they could have came back. They were like a uh, clutch Vucevic layup or a clutch Zach Levine three, and it's a completely different game. So they were like they shot all their stars played poorly, and they were still this close. They only lost by seven. Uh, you had DeMar DeRozan with 18 points on 6 of 25, uh, 0 for 2 from the three-point line. You had Vucevic with 24 and 17, with 9 of 27 from the field on 33%, and 2 for 10 from the three-point line. Zach Levine, 18 and 10, 6 of 19 from the field, 31%, and 2 for 10 from the three. Then you had, that, that, that was just, that. that's all your main guys scoring-wise. And you're like, oh, well, None of our offensive players, none of our big three shot well, and we were still this close into the game. We were still this locked in, and we still almost won this game. 
This was probably the everybody makes fun of the Bulls for no defense. This is probably the best defensive game they had all year. Uh and that's without Lonzo. If they had Lonzo, they might have won this game. They 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 actually probably definitely would have won this game. Cause defensively they looked amazing. Alex Caruso is uh, amazing all defensive caliber uh player. He's an all defense caliber player. However, he just missed too many games. He's not even gonna be in consideration. Patrick Williams looked good uh defensively. He didn't really look good offensively. He's still trying to come into his own. I know he missed most of the year and everything. Uh Vucevic was probably their best player. And I know a lot of Bulls fans are blaming Vucevic for the loss because they're like he sold on a layup and everything on that clutch layer. But Vucevic had twenty four and seventeen and if any of your other players shoot even average or slightly below league average or slightly below what they usually shoot, then you don't have to worry about you're not even in a situation like that. You're not even in a situation like that. So Vucevic still balled out. Shout out to Vucevic. He played good defense. He what's called was dominant on the boards. He 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 led the entire game in rebounds. He he was just he, he did his thing. He did his thing. So shout out to uh Vucevic. Zach Levine's three though. I'm skeptical but I I understand why he shot it, but at the same time it was a bad shot. Like he was like four or five feet behind the three point line. He takes one more dribble because it looked like you know, 2K style, had blinders activated. So I know a lot of people are like, that's a contested shot. He was on the side of him. So it's not a shooter of Zach Levine's caliber. He's not really worried about somebody being on the side. He takes one more dribble, though, to where he's right in front of the defender. And then he's slightly closer to the shot, to the three. And he takes it. I don't know. I don't think that um people trip as much on it. But... I, like I said, it was early in the shot clock. There was like 30 seconds left in the game. He didn't have to force that shot. But if he does hit that shot, that's what I'm saying. I under, Like I said, I understand his thought process. He hits that shot, goes for a two-for-one. They have a tie game, Milwaukee ball. Milwaukee goes down. If they score, we have one more chance guaranteed to have the last shot. If they don't score, again, we have a guaranteed last shot. So we get one more possession regardless if they miss or make. So I understand his logic. But he was struggling that game, and that's what I'm talking about with the whole with the Celtics thing. You saw an open shot, and you're like, the first open shot, it was a good look, just like Smarts was a good look, just like Jalen Brown's was an okay look. So you saw a good look. Same thing like with the Miami things were like when like you see Kyle Lyre has a good look, but you're like Duncan Robinson has a better look. Um. You see the first open look, and you're like, dang, yeah, I'm going to take this because I'm open, and I'm him. I know I can hit this shot. But then it's like, okay, if I take an extra dribble or I drive in because we already have numbers because the person behind me, the the corner man crashes or somebody else crashes because they have to help on me. If they don't help on me, I'm going to take this too because, yes, we're down three, but we have like 35 seconds left. I can get the bucket, quick bucket. We can play some defense, get another bucket. We go down court, do whatever. But if they help off of me right here, I make that extra pass. We get an even better shot. Like we get, we get a catch and shoot, not somebody off the dribble, um, off the screen, but we get an even just catch and shoot, wide open shot. We can get a better shot is what basically what I'm emphasizing. And Zach Levine hasn't got that to that point yet. 
and it's it's not and it's not easy to get to it. It's not easy to get to it because it's all about buying in, and as a scorer, it's it's very very tough to be like this other person has a better shot than I do. Because you're like, I'm the best player on the court. I'm the best scorer on the court. You have confidence that you can do everything and you can do whatever. And then you see something like that and you're like, hold up. Maybe I should pass it. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. And it's X, Y, and Z. So um, Zach Levine's going to have to take that ex- that extra step. He's probably going to go look at the game film, see where he made a mistake, make his changes from there, and just go on. Um, Going to the buck side, though, uh, Giannis played, Giannis was dominant, 27 and 16. Um, the box score is not going to say it, but the Bulls did play solid defense on him. He had, he hit a lot of tough shots, but that's what Giannis does. They had a lot of bodies around him, and Gian- Giannis was doing what Giannis was supposed to do. He was being dominant in the paint. He was making an extra pass. Uh, he even popped a three. He, he just did what he had to do. Bobby Portis looked good, too, 10 and 12. Uh, like I said, the shooting number is not going to tell you, but Bobby, Bobby Portis left his mark on this game. Drew Holiday was solid, but he he shot poorly, but he was solid. Chris Middleton kind of got erased for a little bit. Alex Caruso had him in prison for a good portion of the game. I don't know. Uh, it's just it there there's just I don't got much to say about this. Like, cause people talk we're talking about Drew. I mean, um, what's it called Demar Derozan, Zach Levine, all them. It's called a struggling shooting, but Drew Holiday and Milton didn't play the best offensively either, and this was the game that they needed to steal. They needed to steal this game, and they didn't. So, like I said, it's more like going to be a gentleman's sweep. And then the last game of the night, the point guard showed up, left his mark. I le- I was trying to tell them Pelicans fans earlier. One of my homies, Keeper, is a Pelicans fan, and I tried to tell homie early. He was like, all right, Pelicans, let's try to make noise. Let's try to make history. And then he was talking trash about the um, what's called Bulls losing to the Bucks. And I'm like, bro, you need to worry about your own team. He was like, no, nah, we fine. We fine. And I'm like, all right, we're going to find out. Um, shout out to the Pelicans though. They didn't. They didn't. They 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 tried to put up a fight. Valanciunas had eighteen and twenty five. Uh, he didn't shoot the best, but he left his mark on the game. He was dominant on the board. He was extremely, extremely, extremely dominant on the board. It's the Pelicans as a whole just destroyed the Suns on the board. They out rebounded them by twenty, and it was just. And they 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 just didn't capitalize off. They outboarded them by twenty. CJ had a uh. Uh, okay game he struggled bi also struggled we saw early in the game we were, we saw bi hit some shots and we we're like, okay bi bi doing what he needed to do and everything but i don't know oh i don't know i don't really have faith in it um early on i said yes i don't see the bulls because people talk about the bulls bucks how that game went and that's it's possible for the uh, Suns pelicans to go the same way but i'm like nah Cause the Suns have one, they have Chris Paul, and two, they have Devin Booker, who can get his shot anywhere, anytime. Cause Devin Booker is a tough shot maker and a tough shot taker. He he was hitting his shots. He was doing what he was supposed to do. Um, Aiden had twenty one and nine, and Chris Paul, like I said, I, what, what do he have like fourteen or sixteen points, something like that. In the I should have had the stat pulled up ahead of me ahead of time. 
Um, but I, I usually go off all memory. He had like 14 points in the fourth quarter or something. He went crazy in the fourth is all you need to know. He had 30 and 10, and that man only had two turnovers. Like I said, the point guard God was just out there. There's not much you can do when Chris Paul is feeling like that. He got his homecoming coming back to New Orleans, you know, where it all started, and he was just dominant. Um, nobody's really giving the Pelicans a chance. I feel bad like for the Pelicans, just like I feel bad. I'm like, they they did. They won those two tough games. They did what they supposed to just to get to the just a matchup against Phoenix and get knocked out in the first round off a sweat of a sweep. Um, Chris Paul dominate this game. Don't be surprised if next game you see a master class from Devin Booker dropping 40. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a dominant game from Aiden either trying to bounce back after getting dominated by Valanciunas coming back and having like a 20 and 18 game. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't got much else to say about this series past that because I said these last two, I expect them to be sweeps or gentlemen sweeps. So I'm not, I'm not really putting too much flack into them tomorrow or really I say tomorrow. I forget. I, tonight. I'm still I'm still waking up tonight. Uh, we got the 76ers and the Raptors. We have the Mavs and Jazz game two, and we have Nuggets Warriors. That Nuggets Warriors at 9 p.m. Not gonna lie to y'all, I'm not staying up for that game. I might watch the first quarter, and the first quarter don't look good. I'm going to bed. I'm going to bed, and we're not gonna have much to talk about. Um, Jazz uh, Mavericks might be the same case if since if Luca is still questionable tonight, and he doesn't make his return tonight. And the Jazz, because Donovan Mitchell's not going to play that bad again. Donovan Mitchell looked back normal, and he looked normal early on. I'm not, I'm not going to, it's going to be a short, it's going to be a short episode tomorrow, more than likely, because Raptors in, are all beat up and injured in the 70, it's going against the 76ers. It's just, it can be spooky. Tomorrow, I might get a good rest day, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. Um, but anyway, guys, it's been another episode of the Athletes Podcast. Always, always, always remember to respect women, but most importantly, remember to respect yourself. And we 